session. Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum. Good afternoon. This is Bettina Spur, and we are doing the Secession podcast today with members from Karabing Film Collective who are opening their exhibition, They Pretending Not to See Us Tonight at Secession. Uh, they are presenting their latest film, Night Fishing with Anchesters, at the Grafisches Kabinett at Secession. And the film makes an historic span from the beginning of friendly trade relationships with Makassan, seafaring people, until the contemporary times. We meet Captain Cook, who landed in Australia in 1770, but also we see miners of today and a lot of everyday problems indigenous people in Australia are confronted. Caribbean Film Collective makes films since 10 years. So I welcome here today Cecilia Lewis, Elizabeth Povinelli and Arcadia Lee, one of the younger members from the Caribbean Film Collective. They are showing their latest film, Night Fishing with Anchesters, at the secession and the exhibition will be opened tonight. We are very happy that you made it so far from Australia to Vienna. I, we know it was a really long trip. We are really happy that you join us here for this podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. So, welcome. Maybe we we start talking about this latest film, Night Fishing with Anchesters. What was the original idea for this film? Really, Cecilia's daughter, Natasha uh, Lewis Bigfoot, came to us and said, let's make the next film around the fish traps down at Mobilook, which is a area in yeah in Sicilia's country so we were thinking about the fish traps and the ancestors who made them and what their lives were like Amo mm -hmm. yeah, their lifestyle when they were living off the coast in Anson Bay yeah. and is it known when approximately these fish traps have been built well we don't know we had archaeologists out there Did a testing on a day. Yeah. They reckon... Well, <laughs> what we've been born must be. Well, yeah, they were saying at least 3,000 years. And then if there's one at that end of that long yam dreaming, that could be 30,000, but we don't know. Oh, that's really, really long. So this fish traps, actually, we also see them in the film... They have the function that when the tide comes or the tide withdraws, actually, then fish gets caught in there and can be easily kind of hunted or collected, maybe. Catch. Well, with a special um, leaf that they crush and put it in the water, and then the fish lose oxygen. And when we see them float up, we go and grab them. Okay, that's you just harvest the fish, basically. Yeah, it's kind of, a, and also there's one at least with a like a mouth or yeah, a gate. They put that um, you know, like a basket. They handmade. They put it at the end of the channel where the water runs out. Yeah, that's another way they catch the fish too. Yeah, so it's like this rock fish trap, and then they designed it so it's open at one end, yeah. and connect that basket. So, and this is kind of the connection also um, to 
the trade relationship with the Makassan people, which also uh, play an important role in this film, kind of from South Sulawesia. And in the film, Cecilia, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the story. It's it's an oral history, right, of these relationships with the Makassan people, and that started long before the Europeans came. I heard a little bit about Makassan when I first saw it on the TV about some people at Rhode Island. Mm. They did a trade for a goat or something. Oh, yeah, goat. Yeah. But we think we're the, they, it's the reason they came for that sea cucumber, is it? Cool. Yeah, see, white people say sea cucumber, so they came down. Trepang or whatever they call. Oh, yeah, trepang. Yeah. Yeah, trepang. They call it the sea cucumber. And the Macassan traded with Tamarin. Arnhem land, they traded goats. And with us. Tamarin and some material, is it? Yeah, material, like for sales. Yeah. And they changed, they exchanged Stories about how they sailed and used the stars, and probably our ancestors told them stories for the country. Yeah, country where they first came in there, and they exchanged, gave them a piece of material to use for sail. How re relative used to travel by sea, by canoe, dugout canoe, they had before. They still moved from coast to coast. All around the Ensign Bay area, mm. so they trade them for material, and they, I don't know what they gave the McKesson something. That trepang, that sea cucumber, yeah, because yeah. we we don't eat that thing. No. And then the film it's very interesting because this is in black and white scenes, and also the kids, one of them is here, play kind of reenact the past basically it's kind of like in a theater play they play these old stories and then the next chapter almost is captain cook arriving in 1770 um, in australia and soon afterwards in 78 the first ships came with the white settlers and then white settler colonialism basically took its beginning and a lot of this film is kind of also working with the traumata that indigenous people suffered through this kind of uh, European invasion, in a way. One of the things I learned about when European people first came, I used to hear a lot of stories from my grandmother, Ruby, and also Pilok and Agnes. They tell the story. Sometimes it can be funny or sad. Sometimes they laugh about it, make joke about it themselves. Some of the things they tell us, don't walk on the highway, try and eat your ride with strangers. You don't trust them. Even when you're walking along, you walk through the bushes. And if you see a car or airplane, just hide yourself. Like they're still living it, living their times and teaching us not to trust anybody. And in the Darwin area in the north, so Captain Cook arrives in the south in 17-whatever, 1700. But uh, Europeans didn't start colonizing the north until 1869. So that's like... For like my age, that would be our sister brother boy generation. Yeah. yeah. So it would be great grandparents generation. So it's actually the the grandparents and the parents of the adults in Karabing. It wasn't that far from their own life where white people just coming up and massacre. Yeah, and that sad part in in that new film 
were kind of playing that lost child, eh, Mom? Yeah, when a relative found that child when her mother was Mexican and they left the baby there and one of the relatives had to take care of the child because she didn't have a mother. That's one of the part playing that film. Yeah. That experience, that trauma, I guess we say. Trauma. Even when I first got there, it's like if you saw a white person, run! No matter me, I'm white too. Run! <laughs> <What did> you- <laughs> I was like, why are we running? White people going to shoot us. White people can't shoot us. They might not shoot you. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but I think what Celia is saying is really important that also when they, how they pass down that story, like these are hard stories. We're not even really? telling them. Oh. I don't want to go no. into detail in the other part. Yeah, and no, I don't either. No, but let, reassure, these are terrible stories. But they also like made you be able to laugh a little, like live with it so you could hear it. And not be something like And Karabing, I think, is our films are like that a little bit because, like, they're serious stuff, but they're also a little bit funny. Yeah. Most part is funny. You play the bad part. <laughs> I play the bad part. <laughs> uh, in this case, Elizabeth Povinelli plays Captain Cook. But maybe we can come back to the motivation of doing the films. One is to deal with the trauma. Obviously, there is like really hard facts also in this film that are for a white person difficult to take and to accept probably of the history. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. No, it's Sorry kind about of, no, that. No, no, it's kind of, no, no, it's, it's don't, don't excuse. I mean, I think this is important uh, to be told and to say. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, so it's, it's also kind of you use the film so as a school for the children. So this is kind of a motivation or a chance to pass on this old knowledge that you got told from your parents and grandparents. So how does this work in the films and, and how does Caribbean conceives of these films? I mean, I think it's you, it's all in a very collaborative way, but maybe you can tell a little bit how this really from the, the first idea, then how it develops further. From what I believe, when I was told all this story, I didn't really believe it first. I thought it was some kind of fairy tale story my grandmother was telling me. And all about all this country that we were connected to, that I went back now when I was older. Then I sat at the beach and I realized, and I said to Beth, I didn't believe this was true, you know. I said to Beth, but all the story that was told to me by my grandmother was connecting me to all this land that when we went back there mm. and all this totem. And all this story, and I was telling my kids that, see this old story I heard from you, my chichi girl, me and your great-grandmother, was telling me when I was a kid, but I didn't believe it myself. Like, you my young people today, you might think everything is not real, but it is real. When you go back to that land, you see it, and you hear it, and you can feel the spirit of the ancestor, and even you- when you're not there. Yeah, and like, same way, like they told, you know, they're telling you and me them stories, yeah? And that's the place, and that sun dreaming is there, that sun totem, and, and that star. trying to figure out a way to act it out and tell the story. Yeah. So we took a couple of short days. Yeah. Telling the story, get some of the young people act it out. 
And when we're doing it, like we, it's not just that we do it when we're filming. So we use some of that money to buy the truck and the boat, fuel, fuel, and so we get back to that country and we can bring like Kadia and Kaina and Miles and everybody, and and they can see it when they're kids because we never seen it when we were a kid. Now, yeah, we only been told. Yeah. There was no road there, remember? There was no road there. So Carter being part of, you can say it's part of our artistic practice, but whatever, really what we do is we try and make the relation real so people can see it because it clicks. Like we made the road ourselves. Yeah. And then the kid grow up in the country. So it's also for you, it's a, it's a means of keeping the relationship to the country strong, keeping the relationship within the keeping family. Keeping the culture alive. I reckon that the main thing is... It's culture. And the land, eh? And spiritually, you know? Yeah, yeah, same thing. Like, that film comes second, really. And uh, in the film, it starts with a scene where you teach the children or you show them the, the totems, the Daravin, can you maybe explain a little bit this concept? Because it's for us very, I think we don't have much knowledge about this. That Tarawin, that like them dreaming. Exactly, Tarawin and dreaming. This is kind of terms that are constantly coming up in the films and in the work. And what does it mean? It's kind of, is it like a cartography, like a diff, it's a mapping? Totem, it? Totem, but in place, eh? And that place is shaped. And it belongs to the grandfather mm. and the father mm. connected to the the son oh, and the daughter and the, too. Yeah. Daughter, but it continues on yeah. from the father's side. Yeah, from father's side passed down, and that kid and pick it up through his grandfather, father's side. Yes. But it's not like a back me up or change what I'm saying, mom. But it's not like a dreaming. You're just dreaming about it. No. no it, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's white people say cartography. They mean that place is shaped by, like, it marks that animal shape. For instance, maybe you can say how marble look is shaped. Yeah, and muddy tail. Yeah, so there's one little point where all the fish traps are, biggest mob. And that coastal point, that the end of it. Barramundi fish tail. Yeah, barramundi fish tail. And if you look at it another way, it might be that entire fish egg. The whole shape of that point of that reef yeah. and that little bit of bay part, yeah. that's the body of the fish. Yeah. So and it rep represents that place belongs to the person that is totem or mm. dreaming, whatever you call it, mm. belongs mm. to that clan group. Mm. Mm. And then other parts of that area have shapes because other ancestors did something there, like that chipel. Yeah. Mm. And Moyen dog, we don't have to tell them everything. So the whole country shape is shaped from them ancestors, them Peruin. That's what it means. And the ancestors is like people that lived there before, or is it something like it is people that created, been there created the yeah the people yeah, but like that dog died. story. Not not that dog. No, I'm talking no. about that ancestor. Yeah. So you got human ancestor. Eh? And they're still there. And then you got that heroin, and that's like the dog and the dulk and the muddy. And they were there doing their own thing. So this is the mythology. It's not a myth. No? It's real. 
<laughs> no, but, but not myth. It's kind of like myth mythology and myth is also different. It's a fact. You can go to, like Cecilia was saying, if you go there, you can see it. It's right there. It's its shape. Like sun totem is shaped like that setting sun. Carabing, is it a family group? Oh, yes. And uh, how many young people are there? How many? You are eight years old, Katie. How many young, younger kids are there? Can you name them? Try to name some. Lydia, Amanda, Roy, Claudia, Georgia, Shekinah, Patty, Asariah, Kaliki. Which one? Kaliki and Kingering. Oh, Kingering, yeah, when we play. So. Timmy and Kyle. And Kyle, yeah. So that's really, it's a lot of young members already. How old are they? They're like eight, nine, five, four, kind ten of in between. Kyle is, Kyle is seven, Timmy is nine, Litty is 12, Claudia is 14, mm. yeah. Patty is five, George is five. Chicanas for And when we when we make those films, you guys all participate and learn, eh? Mm -hmm. And then you also travel, you travel overseas to show these films to people like us. And one thing that came up in the film for uh, Shekina calls Beth's sister. Uh, and I would like to ask you about this family relations, how you name, and also Arcadia calls Beth's sister. Can you just let me know a little bit how you call yourself within the family? Yeah. I mean, there's a, no, there's this kind of family structure. Well, one thing you would come, 1988? 1984. 1984, when Beth first came, she met up with all old lady and grandmother, and two of those old lady or three of them, All of them actually adopt her in their family in an Aboriginal way and teach him all about Aboriginal culture, Aboriginal hunting and gathering. She was in part of participating in everything, what they were doing. So they all adopt her in a family group. She had mothers, she had aunties, she had cousins and sisters as well. Mm. Yeah, so that, thank into, you, Mom. Into um, Murumuru group. Yeah, into more and group. So through Hemiangel. Yeah, Hemiangel. So once you have that particular relation, well then it expand from there. Expand from there. Yeah. Like I'm his daughter. Just one of my <laughs> special daughters. <laughs> Celia was how old were you? Eight? I was eight years old when I first met Yeah, eight years old. And I'm forty eight today. Yeah. And Cecilia's One daughter made Kaina, another daughter made Kadia. Parvat, you Parvat, two Parvat, and Two Parvat. So one of Cecilia's daughter and I share our same name. Aboriginal name. Aboriginal name. But you are, Celia is your daughter, but you call her mom. And Arcadia is basically your great granddaughter. Yeah. And you call her sister. So yeah. That, that's what I, what uh, I found well, interesting. I call Celia mom because she calls me mom but like I don't know how to say it like she's my daughter but I think from her point of view like your granddaughter that part but yeah, no I said no, that but I'm asking why I call him you why I say to you mom instead of daughter 
Better get him no more savvy that on. We always say that. Yeah, like you're thinking from that other person's perspective. Like me, I say, Mama, I love yeah. Cameron. Yes, exactly. You see, my son. Yeah. Or I call it to my daughter, Natasha, or Marcia, I say, Mama, come here. Yeah. Because that's my daughter. Exactly. Meaning that me, as a mother, calling it to my daughter, say, Mama, me, I want you. Saying, I want you. Your mom is calling you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really cool because it shows that we're always trying to think through the like the perspective of that other person. Like if somebody else call her to them they use their name. Yeah. Yeah. And as a mother for me I call her to my daughter I say, yeah. Mama I like that. I say, yeah. Mommy. Yeah. If they can know I'm their mother calling her to them. Yeah, exactly. And the reason my Katia and Kaina, I called them sisters because like you have your daughter, then you're either uh, you got your grandkids. We got two way Makali and Chamala to say, and then when they have kids, is it rolls back to sister, sister and brother boy, sister girl, brother boy. Yeah, I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> I'm lost now. Sorry. <laughs> you're right. You're good. So uh, one question that I would like to ask is also kind of the effects of the Caribbean films. You show the films uh, all over the world and are really successful and the films are well received. Did it kind of improve the position of uh, indigenous people in Australia? Do you get more recognition, a stronger voice, more power in, in the relationship with the government? We do. Yeah. Because three of them just came back from Melbourne. <coughs> Sorry. My sister, my mother, and my auntie went to Melbourne last week. When they came back, we flew this way. Mm. They was in Melbourne Film Festival. Mm. Did we win anything? We won two awards for Day in the Life. Day in the Life. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, it's made members more confident and strong about voice. And also, we work with some government or government groups like sacred sites, Aboriginal oh, yeah. Areas Protection Authority. And an um, archaeology mob. An archaeology mob trying to... Put a heritage site on the fish trip. But from from the perspective of Karabing, instead yeah. of archaeology say how they think it should be like nature and culture, we say no. Nah, we don't want that. No. Nah. So trying to change their way of doing it while we're working with them. Yeah. And I think because also archaeology came up, uh, I, I really think this is such an important information that Elizabeth Povinelli, as the only white member of the group, has been made an anthropologist kind of <laughs> because the on the request of the family, basically. So this is not kind of, you know, it's usually very often it's the other um, power relationship. Um, but here it's like really you have been adopted by the family. And well, that um, goes back to what we were talking about before. So I had a degree in philosophy, undergraduate degree in philosophy. So those old people and I were like really just so they were so smart and funny and you you know them. So oh. anyway, but at the end of that year, when my visa was running out, they said, "Well, what you going to do, daughter or auntie, depending what they you know call what we call each other." Are you just going to be like a normal white person and you have your little experience, you savvy, and then you go away and like whatever? I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. What can I do? And they said, we have this land claim 
and by law, we need a lawyer to represent us. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a lawyer. Anything else? They said, well, by that law, we need to be represented by an anthropologist. And I was like, what's that? And they said, white people studying us. I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and they said, no, we don't want you to study us. We want like side by side, you know, level. We try and understand. Put it away. And yeah. Like the NLC was thinking whether they were supportive. Yeah, exactly. Like why NLC saying they're trying to help, but. It wasn't really helping. No, they're undermining. So my job never was to be an, quote, anthropologist in any normal way. It was to, like, like Cotterbing, it's just to be a member, to be a part of the family, not the boss of the bloody family. No. No. We like bosses. Anybody want to be boss? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we hope that Caribbean Film Collective will continue making films and that we will can see a lot of new films in the future. Yeah, we just come up with a new idea too. Uh. Yeah, the other day. Yeah. Stay, okay, so stay there's, tuned. There's more to come. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here with us today and for tonight's opening. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you thank for you. having us. Session. Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum.